Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Musician's Journey podcast. Today I had the fortune of meeting up with Carl-Johan Tenström and Emil Greilert, two of my fellow band members in the Stockholm-based hard rock band called Stockholm Underground. We just listened to the song called Närmerkritt faller, which means when darkness descends. In addition to the band's own songs, you also get to hear excerpts from two of Emil's solo projects. It should be pretty obvious to tell if you're listening to the band or to Emil's solo adventures, but if in doubt, you can always check the timeline that I include with every episode, both in the description, wherever you're listening to it, and on my website, where I host the podcast. Also see the show notes for more info about the music and where to find it. You go first. I go first, okay. So, uh, right, I am uh, Emil Greilert. And I, uh, yeah, I'm the guitar player, one of the guitar players in uh, Stockholm Underground. Um, yeah, that's basically it. And I'm Carl Johan. Uh, and I'm, yeah, the guitar player and the lead vocalist. I have LSD, lead singer disease. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also songwriter, producer. Yeah, I wear many hats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> creative force. Mm, but Emil yeah. is also uh, becoming more and more a creative force. Yeah, yeah. Is music making for you a sporadic hobby or more like a daily discipline? Hmm. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could go first because I would say uh, it's somewhere in between. It's not like a routine or discipline or anything but it's something that's there all the time, even if I'm not actually holding an instrument or doing anything, it's there in the back of my mind almost all the time, just coming up with ideas or even when I'm listening to music myself, it's really difficult to just sit back and listen and take it in because I'm always like, I don't know, re rearranging the songs in my head or thinking, oh yeah, I want to play this myself when, or I want to write something kind of like this or something. So it's a tap that you can't turn off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it turns itself on and off, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, of course there are dry spells and of course, I mean, the other uh, extreme can be almost even worse when it doesn't just doesn't stop that that kind of constant flow of musical ideas and impression and everything blending and trying to make sense out of all of it just not being maybe there in the moment and in with, with people around you and everything like they've been having a conversation and they'll be asking me well what do you think Emil and I'll be like what <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely say I recognize the periods where it never stops. But then there's also the complete opposite times when there's nothing. But you want there to be something there, but it's mm. just nothing. And then it starts, you get worried. <laughs> like, am I done? <laughs> <laughs> but as far as being a daily discipline, I don't know if it's a daily discipline, but definitely every day it's about it's about music more or less every day when i started out playing music before that i couldn't say how it felt but now i feel like i couldn't 
like if I if I go on vacation or something and I can't bring an instrument or something like I'll be looking oh I'm gonna be in this town where are the music stores where can I get my hands on something and just play because I know I'm gonna yeah there's gonna be that itch in my fingers I need to do something about mm. yeah that break is very important I feel that every time I take a long break like a vacation yeah. for instance and then you go back and you have like 20 ideas just right away yeah. You feel musician is some kind of identity that you can lose. Do you have to maintain it or is it there no matter what? I don't know. At least with me, I, I feel that my musician identity is very or completely linked to my cello playing. So if I feel yeah. out of shape on my cello, I feel not quite like myself, I feel right, really bad, sort of I feel musician. yeah, and even less of a, less of a human, I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. I lose my, my sense of identity. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand that, because I, just this week, uh, everyone that's listening now don't know anything about our current situation with the band, but it's been up and down, it's been <laughs> more or less. Yeah, it's been like a rough couple of weeks. I yeah. Guess. And basically we've been, or we're, we've decided to go, not on hiatus, but our drummer, he is on hiatus. And I said to Emil this week, he messaged me uh, wondering if I want to meet and make some music, uh, work on ideas. I didn't answer, it was bad, <laughs> bad of me, but then I, when I wrote, I said that I just need to take a complete break from the band too, like just not think about it. And during this week, I've been playing like death metal rhythm guitar all week. And then I find my identity again, like I feel better in every, in every aspect. Because that's the thing, I put music in such, like in categories so much that Stockholm Underground is one category, one identity, mm. in my head at least. And then I have this other thing that I want to do, which is linked to a bunch of influences from when I was, yeah, a kid. Like, I find myself going back to the things that I liked and were fascinated by when I started playing guitar. So it's like, I get that, that vibe, that atmosphere that I used to. Freshness. Yeah, and, and, but, but it's nostalgia at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, but, it, but it feels fresh. It feels... I mean, like, that's the feeling you had then, like, this is fresh, this is new. Yeah, it's... and also, it, it's interesting that I want to go back to music that is 20, 25 years old, but to me it feels, yeah, I don't know, it never, never gets old. Uh, you two have a slightly different, slightly different interests as mm -hmm. musicians. I assume that if I asked you which band you will happily play in the cover band of, you'd answer pretty differently from each other. No, yeah. can, can your differences in musical preferences be a strength or an obstacle when you are working together? I think it's mostly a strength because there's a, such a big overlap as well. And also there's just this attitude I feel from both of us that music is good. Mm. And it doesn't matter like if it's this or that or whatever we can we can listen to it and see that oh it's it's got something here i i used to be and i i guess i still am with my how i categorize music and 
hold them apart. But I've I, I used to be very much like that. That I, things certain things just didn't mix. But the older I get, I try to see the yeah the overlap, how things relate and how like look at what these bands are influenced by, what they claim to be influenced by, and, and also what they seem to be influenced by and like how those things meet and that way I haven't really come to a point where I create in that way with influences but I, I like to yeah I don't know I have a thousand Spotify playlists <laughs> to, oh, to, to prove that I yeah, am insane a music that inspires you yeah and yeah. just like I can hear a, a thing in one song and then I conceptualize a thing like maybe maybe a band uses delay on a rhythm guitar which is sort of weird but then I'm like yeah what 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 other bands do this and then I put them in a category like yeah okay these bands do that <laughs> and like sometimes they're bands that I would usually hold apart like not the same style not the same genre yeah, yeah like yeah, these, this band feels plasticky, and this band feels wooden. <laughs> Stuff like that. Obviously, sometimes, like, I will have an idea and I will show it to Kalle, or you will have an idea and you'll talk to about it to me and show it or whatever, mm. and either of us won't really be feeling it or something, but, I mean, that's just how it is. Like, it's going to be the same whoever you're talking to. You're not always going to be in sync. Yeah, and if I show Kalle in sync, he's gonna think I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I think it's just like accepting that fact and just saying, oh, that's that's all right. We don't have to agree about everything because we agree about so many things and there's mm. always enthusiasm. Yeah. Anyway. And I guess when it comes to making a band, like we haven't really, like you said, Emil has begun to come with more ideas, uh, like song ideas. We haven't done that before, so when it's only been me, then it's just one track, one-sided. So now we have to like find a common ground.
Will there be a song by you on Spotify anytime soon? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you have a solo project too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I do have like, and I'm always like that. I'll be coming up with songs, and I'll be be, be like that, like this. I'll be putting them into categories as well when I write songs and I write music in general. And I'll be saying like, oh, this is for like this fictional band in my head that I'm gonna be playing in in the future or whatever. But but I really know that yeah, this this is not gonna happen. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna find the play people who want to play this, and I'm not gonna find the time to do all these projects or anything. But it's just like to sort things out in my head, my ideas and stuff. So yeah, I have like in my head, I have like. I'm pretty sure I have a death metal project somewhere in there too. <laughs> Maybe that just got like three or four songs, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's an EP. Yeah. <laughs> and on the other hand, I'll have this like garage band project, and on the other hand, there'll be like this shoegaze project, and somewhere it's just fun coming up with ideas. But the things I've been releasing myself, recording myself, and just at home, the simple ways. Those are usually, I just want to record something. I don't usually have that clear of an idea of exactly what I want to do, so I just start making sounds and then I, I'll get a feeling for what, where those sounds are leading me musically. And then in the end, it becomes, even if I had an idea from the beginning, even if it was just a loose idea, it will be something completely different when I'm done anyway. So I guess that's kind of the way um, if we're talking about when you're a kid and you're starting out and you don't have any musical identity really formed yet and you just try everything out uh, and um, soak everything, every influence in. What would you say to someone who I was unfortunate to grow up with uh, this encouragement of playing an instrument. As someone who might feel that oh, it's too late now to start playing. Because an you're instrument. too old. Well, yeah. Uh, or... pe people any age can can think mm, they're too yeah. old. Yeah. To start to play an instrument. Mm, yeah. I think uh, Emil will answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think I think maybe like because when we were kids and teenagers, I, I guess like I started playing when, when I was a teenager. Some start even earlier. Uh, I I usually think that I was kind of late. I think I was like fourteen or something. But I mean, you're still developing as a person as well. And when you grow up and you grow to be like I'm thirty. Like if I talk to people my age and they'll say, oh, I wish I'd started to play an instrument. And I'm, oh, it's never too late, I say. And they, oh, no, it's too late, I'm, I'm too old now. I think they kind of, not consciously, but they feel like, yeah, I'm developed as a person. I'm not gonna start a new path, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But then on the other hand, they'll say like, oh, I'm gonna study this thing and it's gonna be a new career and it's gonna be a new path in my life, so, so. Maybe playing an instrument is, it should just be something you want to do because it's fun, uh, relaxing, but maybe most people don't want to make the effort or take the time. I don't know. And like obviously there's going to be a threshold in the beginning of learning anything. Yeah. Where you feel like 
I have no idea what I'm doing, my fingers hurt or whatever parts you're using to play your instrument, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hurting and um, this was supposed to be fun. Mm. And I guess it's like powering through that. Because I think like when we're kids, I guess some kids, they might have parents that say, oh, you're going to practice and you're going to be a musician uh, and everything. Or yeah. and some, some other kids will be like, I want to be great at this. I want to uh, become a rock star. And when you're older, you don't have that kind of, you don't have your parents to tell you to practice your instrument and you don't have the dream anymore because you've grown up and you've become sensible and you realize that I've got to make ends meet and then you you don't have that motivation I guess maybe mm. to get past that threshold but like I think most musicians they're not professional musicians they're not playing on huge stages every night they're not making maybe they earn some money from music but it's not their main gig so to speak yeah. um, but they still think it's worth it because it's it's fulfilling and enriching their lives yeah. so much and if you can see that as a goal in itself then I think it's gonna be easier to start late mm -hmm. just say like yeah I, I want, would like to be able to do this it's gonna be painful for a couple of months and then it's gonna start to get easier Good question. Um, I started playing electric guitar or guitar like randomly. It was just a random opportunity to take lessons and I, I, I could choose whatever instrument I wanted. But I, I don't remember, maybe my dad influenced my decision a little bit, I think. Like, don't, don't pick those drums. <laughs> but I did anyway. Like a year later, <laughs> I want a drum kit. <laughs> um, I had a really great teacher. He was enthusiastic. He saw what they he claimed I had talent, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think I, I remember my dad was playing some music at home, and this was when I was pretty young. And there was a, an electric guitar solo, and I was asking my dad like. What's that sound like? It's like a crying baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an electric guitar and uh, I was like, yeah, I, I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what song it was from? No, I, I think it, it, it's probably Ulf Lundell. Okay. So some, some Ulf Lundell song and probably then the, his like, main guitar guy, Janne Bark, mm -hmm. really influenced by Neil Young. So okay. I can see now why I got into Neil Young as a guitarist as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think at one point, like when I was like 13, 14 years old, I felt like, yeah, I, I need to be... Well, part of it was like, I need to be just a little bit cooler 
you know, I'm 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 the biggest dork in my class. <laughs> so yeah, I need something to up that cool factor just a little bit. So 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 I guess that was like a logical decision right then to pick up the guitar. I mean my my first like guitar idol or guitar hero was Mark Knopfler of <laughs> Dire Straits. So I guess it wasn't like the coolest thing to uh, the other kids in my class. They were listening to Metallica and System of a Down and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, Dire Straits and Beatles and mm. yeah. <laughs> Has there been a moment of reaching a deeper understanding of what you want to do as musicians? Yes. Definitely. Um, when I was younger, I don't, I didn't realize what I was fascinated by or what was the driving, what drove me to listen to the music that I listened to. But as I grow older, I realized that this is going back to like how I put things into categories. Some music is just catharsis. And I think that is what I try to achieve with Stockholm Underground. For me, a cathartic effect. I don't know how about how you guys feel about our songs, but yeah. You mean therapeutic? Yeah, therapeutic. Uh, my my biggest influence, the band I've listened to, without a doubt, uh, to the most times, it's is Slipknot. And I guess it's the f two first Slipknot albums were designed in that way to be purely cathartic. Yeah, for me, the biggest influence has always been that. And I feel better, like, every time. Like, if you listen to those albums, they might sound negative to people. I think singing about dark themes, and it's angry, it's screaming, it sounds negative, but to me, it's calming. Yeah, it's like a coping mechanism yeah. sometimes. It's something I need to feel, to feel like myself, to not lose my identity. Mm going back to that thing. I think it's sometimes just you need to just accept the fact that things are shitty a lot of yeah. the time. Like people equal shit. Yeah, and people equal shit. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's just like, let's just acknowledge that and mm. scream about it for a couple of minutes and play the shit out of our instruments yeah. for a couple of minutes and then it's like, it's gonna be feel better at the end of it. Yeah. We worked through this together even if we didn't solve the problem of people being shit then yeah. <laughs> at least we like we got together about it and we bonded over the experience i, I mean yeah. that's that's one of the things of like playing in a band that it's it's a bonding experience and, and that's also like coupled with identity and like being part of a group i think mm. and i yeah the more i listen to it the more i realize how important it has been when I go back to those two particular albums, I always yeah I feel grounded in reality again if things start slipping. <laughs> Slip not. Mm. Slip not. So those albums are like your uh, compass that you can come back to. Yeah. When you're out of course. Yeah. And then of course making a band, everyone have their own more or less co uh, conscious compasses mm. one might not be aware of them and then they might change mm. and then something can happen within a band it's very uh, exciting actually because this is the first time i'm in a band right 
Mm. In a way, I kind of feel like it's the first time I'm in a band as well, because it feels like it's the first time where it's more actually trying to do things, trying to write songs, trying to get them out there and trying to get gigs and play. It's more business than just talk, you know. Mm. Um, and it's also like most of us have more of a drive than maybe I'm, I'm used to playing with other people. I guess a lot of the times I've been playing with people like they're in a band because it's cool to be in a band, I don't know. Mm. But but when there's that musical drive as well, then it's... Yeah, we set out, me and Patrick, when we started it back mm. in 2009, we set out to be like, we're, we're gonna be rock stars. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we're gonna make it. Um, but from the beginning, it was more talk than business. But I think we both, especially him, grew tired of just talking about it and never, or not doing enough. And the more we try to do things, the, yeah, you just realize how hard it is yeah. to try to achieve that level of that, success or yeah. professionalism, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. also to understand how it's done today. I, I, feel, yeah. Like, yeah. I feel that we're the generation who mm. grew up with CDs. Yeah. And now we find ourselves in a world where no one, well, except me, maybe, listens to albums mm -hmm. anymore. And uh, yeah, it's just a different world. That has, yeah. has your view on what constitutes a music product changed during recent years? Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I have. I'm probably like still stuck in the past as well. Even if I make a Spotify playlist, I'll be thinking about how I order the songs, like to make it for it to have some kind of flow, and then I'll be sending it to someone, and I'll say to them, "Don't listen on shuffle. Don't listen on shuffle." I, I put, <laughs> it's a mixtape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really put some effort into making this be, be kind of have that feeling of an album, like where you have a certain flow and you have a certain dynamic and everything. And I'm, I'm the same when I listen to music, I prefer to listen to an album. And I mean, I've got a collection of CDs and I'm probably one of the few people in the world who actually buy uh, like used CDs at like flea market markets and yeah. stuff. Uh, and not, not vinyl. It's, it's also like, I guess it could be liberating also to think that I don't have to conform to the idea of an album or that kind of thing, like the album as an music album as an art form isn't really that old. It's like, I guess really from the 60s when mm. they first started to really make albums before it was like if they make, made an album it was more like the collection of singles they had up until then or something, mm. usually. But um, like, like you said, we grew up with this notion of what being a musician, being an artist, how we consume music, what that is. Mm. And in recent years, if you look at the top 50 artists on Spotify now, I don't know if all of them, but I, I think a lot of them are independent. So they don't have a label uh, backing them. They just know how to work social media and, mm. and all those things. And I think that that shifts who will make it or not make it because it's it tends to a certain person who will make it, I think. Yeah, 
and uh, like you have to uh, not only be good at what you do musically but you yeah. have to know what you're doing technically with the equipment and you need to know the market and you need to know the uh, yeah how to work social media and you need mm. to be it's a much more holistic thing and you're not just a musician and i guess that's one of the things i never felt like i could be really good at so i never really attempted doing mm. that kind of thing either mm. Yeah. For me, um, when we started the band, it was still sort of the streaming stuff had just begun. So we didn't really feel or we couldn't predict what things would look like in 10 years. And now I'm kind of glad that or the word, word is going around that an album is obsolete now. It's not even a good idea to put out an album anymore. Yeah. So if you're just starting out or an up and comer, it's better to re to release singles and just release music more often. Yeah. So consistent that, output. Yeah. So to me, that's both, I guess, a disappointment, but also a, a relief that you don't have to put all all your eggs in the same basket, and you don't yeah, have to make yeah. this huge effort, and then it just falls flat. So instead, you get or yeah, yeah every every single is a freestanding project. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to make money from music? Yeah. <laughs> money. <laughs> money. Get away. How does that even happen these days? I, I guess streaming. It depends, I think. Um, maybe some people make money from Bandcamp. Yeah, I, I, I guess it depends on where you've got your... I mean, if, you, if you're gonna make money, you... Especially of your own music, you need to have an audience for that music, obviously. Mm. And in that case, I guess it's like platforms like Spotify or Bandcamp or wherever you've got your audience. Like Spotify is the biggest one, obviously. Mm. In Sweden? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think in the world. In the world. I, or I had the, the feeling that it is. I know, because whenever I listen to an. American podcast. Yeah. They never mention these things. It's all about Apple this and Apple that. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe iTunes is bigger than Spotify. Yeah. But iTunes is cool because you you buy everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's more like in the old days. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't you don't pay for a subscription to a streaming service. You mm -hmm. pay for the actual music. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean there's YouTube too and a lot of people enjoy listening to music on YouTube because then they get like a music video too or like the lyric video. It's, mm -hmm. I guess it becomes more of a, a fuller experience or something. But I mean, it's it's either that or you have to be gigging, I think. Mm -hmm. playing. And then, then it could be like, yeah, you could play in a cover band, you could play... I've, I've been playing weddings and um, christenings and that, that kind of stuff. It's not... At least not for me, like you can work up a reputation and um, be someone that the go-to person when someone is getting married, they'll go to the whatever, whoever works with arranging weddings and the people arranging the wedding will have like a list of contacts and they will call this person and say, hey, we've got a gig for you. I've never been on that level. It's been more like just knowing the people that are getting married, but I've made pocket money out of that kind of thing 
and I'm not saying I never say no to making money from playing music, but it's never personally, at least. Like I know we're we're doing it in the band, like as a band, we're trying to make some money of it mm. from streaming and stuff. But like personally, I've never been actively looking to earn anything. If I did, uh, if I get the opportunity, I'll jump on that opportunity. Yeah, but it's not been at the top of my mind. Yeah, I would like to make money. At the same time, when I when I think about it, I'm actually not taking steps, or, or I have never been that person that takes steps to like, no. this will make me valuable, blah, 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 to be the go-to person. I just do it no. for myself. But I used to make money, or I didn't used to make money, but I used to be part of a, another band. We made a lot of money, but we just played covers, so. All right. So you made money from gigs? Yeah. So I've been there, and I have done it, Yeah. but it was not fun. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been asked uh, if I could play... Oh, what's his name again? Oh, Ed Sheeran, that's not yeah. So I have been asked to play... With Ed, Ed Sheeran. Ed, <laughs> no, I have been asked to play an Ed Sheeran song mm -hmm. in a wedding, but as a solo cellist. Luckily, I had a good excuse to say no because it was too short of a notice. Mm. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I would have, I would have had to say you will probably not get what you think you might be getting if you think you will get some uh, full accompaniment with from cello what? somehow only from a yeah, solo yeah. cello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes people just are not aware of what they're asking for. Yeah. Yeah. What inspires your music making? Mm, music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I, a lot of the time I'll just be listening to something and I'll be just picking up on different ideas and different things that I think sound really cool. And then, mm. I don't know, it, it goes through my system and transform into something else or maybe something very similar. And then I'll say, yeah, I could never this out somewhere because then they're gonna come knocking on my door and talking about copyright infringement yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah um, I don't know or, or just a sound sometimes it's just like the timbre of, of a certain sound like if I if I've been playing around with the settings on the amplifier or whatever it's it's gonna be oh this this sounds inspiring to me I feel good when mm. I hear this sound I, I remember when because when, when we started Stockholm Underground, it was not called Stockholm Underground from the beginning. It was called Happy Threnody, which is like a, a happy funeral dirge, I guess, or something, something like that. Not, not funeral dirge, but yeah, a threnody. And the sound and the look, and we didn't really have a look, but what we were going for was maybe more American or, yeah, American. American big arena rock, butt rock, as they call it. <laughs> So that's when we started out, that was what we were going for. But then when we changed to Stockholm Underground, immediately a bunch of other images came to my head, influences, everything. And uh, like you said, a sound can, could inspire you. I remember one time Patrick saying, we play dark music. I was like, dark music, what the fuck? Then I conceptualize it and I start making playlists. <laughs> so I made a playlist, dark music. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I set out to write the darkest song ever, which became Flykten from Helvetet. Ah. 
Um, the Escape from Hell. The Escape from Hell. Um, or named after the movie Suspiria. Suspiria, yeah. Yeah, a Swedish title. Escape from Hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. image imagery or what's in my head where I let my imagination go and that's why I think Stockholm Underground for me is it's a very specific sort of thing certain cultural references and we should just uh, release the escape from hell it's a really great song mm -hmm. and uh, we nearly released it we nearly did and it and then you call it pulled the brakes uh, yeah, and yeah, pulled the brakes. <laughs> you said we had to record drums and we got stuck in that process um yeah exactly because it's such a such a big project i think to record drums yourself if you have if you've never done it before we haven't it yeah, we never got to it, so <laughs> I'm just imagining it being a huge project. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about recording drums, really. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you feel pretty limited when you have you have the practice space that mm -hmm. we have. We have the drum kit that we have. We have the microphones that we have, and then you you mm -hmm. go somewhere on YouTube and how did they get this drum sound? Oh, they put the drums in a huge room and yeah, yeah, and you have everything and it's it just becomes like, am I ever going to be able to get that? Instead of thinking, we have a drum kit, we have microphones, let's mm -hmm. fucking record the uh, sorry, yeah. and get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah let, let's just get it done and see what it sounds like. And if it doesn't sound good, then we always have that option like we had before with programming. Yeah, superior drummer. Yeah, yeah. So and I guess the way I could trick myself into using program drums again, how I could justify it is um, thinking about typo negative, because they mainly used, I think, program drums. Maybe they were played, but on a electronic drum kit. I think they just had three records with acoustic drums. Mm. So that's maybe one way I could justify <laughs> using. <laughs> program drums. <laughs> and, I mean, it's not like Meshuggah, Cash 33, that album, yeah. it's, it's program drums, mm -hmm. or, or like, even if we're taking some, if we're thinking like older music, like Pink Floyd, uh, mm -hmm. their album from like the mid 80s, I don't remember which year, 87 maybe, Moment Relapse of Reason, they had just reformed after breaking up before, and uh, I don't think the drummer was feeling very confident, so they just like, yeah, we'll we'll program most of the drums. Their drummer was not feeling confident. Yeah, the original drummer. Yeah, yeah, that's strange. I mean, like he's been playing. It's it's they're one of the biggest bands in the world, and he's like, no, I'm I'm, I don't know. Like we broke up, what like five years ago or something, mm -hmm. and I haven't really been playing since then. So yeah, yeah, there's. Definitely a lot of people who will think that like using program drums or program bass or whatever like it's it's taboo You don't go there you keep it real you play your instruments for real if you can't actually 
play the thing physically, then you uh, shouldn't put it in your songs or whatever. Right. But uh, why should it be that way? Mm. Like it's it's just like I don't want to have a dogmatic kind of attitude towards my creative output or anything. No. It's 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 what it sounds like. I mean, for me, the um, the process itself it, it, it's a lot of fun, and you know to write songs mm. and to record songs and stuff. Some groups, they're they're certain that the because it's trendy now, or it's it's so common now to have all these programmed instruments and not not just programmed but edited to perfection and they're convinced that these albums won't last uh, they won't stand the test of time so I don't know I think maybe not programmed drums per se or specifically yeah. but I think when you edit things too much you you suck the life out of the music I have more of an attitude of uh... Let's get stuff out before uh, before we die. That kind of thing. I write, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I, yeah, let's get it out with those program drums mm. because yeah. if <laughs> if we die, it yeah. won't ever be out. But that's just yeah. my default way of thinking. I know mm. everyone are not like that at all. So that's how I could start releasing podcast episodes where I am. I sound very differently in every episode yeah. in the beginning because I was recorded in very different ways. Yeah. I wasn't, uh, I didn't find the best way and then start. I, I want to get things out. Mm. I agree with you and I want to think think more like that myself like I find myself thinking like oh I want to make this music and uh, record stuff but I need this thing and I need that thing but I already have like what I need to make a recording and put it out there you know so and I'm, I'm speaking about me personally and like with Stockholm Underground we have even more uh, Material? Material and like technical know-how and you know a lot more than me about working in a door and yeah. stuff. So so and we've got the studio like if I mm -hmm. if I record stuff at home it's just gonna be like yeah in my room and I'll put an SM57 a couple of books or something just because I don't have a mic stand and yeah yeah, yeah it's gonna be that that kind of way and I, I'm gonna be using the stock uh, plugins from Reaper yeah and I use stock yeah. plugins from Logic so yeah yeah so it's, it's nothing wrong with that <laughs> it, it, it's it's gonna be like you do what you can with the stuff that you have like and you yeah. you put it out and I think that's a healthy thing because I think a lot of people they 
not only musicians but like anything who's doing, doing something creative They're, because we're saturated with impressions from everywhere people who have all the time and all the energy and like all the money to do these amazing things and, um, and stuff and we feel like that's the norm somehow mm. well, what is the norm the perfect production and the right. perfect yeah that like we feel that that that's what we should achieve that's what she, we should yeah. always strive for and we if we don't get close to that it's not worth doing doing yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that's the, the reason for, I think it's a symptom, I guess you would call it, a symptom of everything being so, being so high tech today. Because you, you record music into your computer and you have a grid, so it's very like, it's quantized, you see where things should have been in time or whatever, or in pitch, you can see it in certain software, but, and I think maybe that drives us to fix things that don't need fixing. Whatever we do, it's not gonna be, the, the quality of the production is not gonna be so bad that people are not gonna be able to actually hear the music. You yeah, know? and comprehend it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of um, Patrick's, one of Patrick's favorite drummers. His name is Chad Saliga. He played for Breaking Benjamin. And when he auditioned for Breaking Benjamin, it was a very like short notice, so he just like set up a, like a very old camcorder in his practice space, recorded himself with that, the audio that the, the mic picked up from the camcorder and sent it in. While he was playing one of the songs, his bass drum pedal broke down, but he was playing a, a, a double pedal so he, he could like switch to his left pedal for his right foot so he was like sitting with his feet tightly together very awkwardly. He was doing that in the middle of a song. And all the other drummers, they sent in these perfect like DVDs. He sent in, sent in a VHS, but they sent in, <laughs> sent in DVDs with like menus and like you could choose what song you would play and... But none of the drummers impressed them as much as Chad did because he did... I mean, his drumming, it, it spoke for itself. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't re-record that song where his equipment broke down, just showed that he can adapt in a live situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. he can, he's the guy, so. Yeah, I mean, everything, everyone could like do a hundred takes and choose the best one, or mm -hmm. even like crossfade together, yeah. and splice together the best parts of yeah. the different, different performances. And I guess that's, that's what a lot of creative people that feel this inferiority complex need to think about that they don't see the 50 or 100 takes that this these people did before and they don't see all the work all the hours they spent in their i don't know in logic or whatever mm. workstation they use like they don't, don't they don't see that they just see this perfect thing mm. and uh, they think i'm not that good i'm not good enough yeah even we as people become pro products in a way and you're supposed to be able to sell yourself in the work market and like in the dating market and like <laughs> everything yeah. becomes like about being a good product and marketing and mm. yeah. Yeah. That, that's not what it is to be a person, you know, or a musician or... A mm. I think you should build your musician career or whatever on 
doing it because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Start there. to you to if electricity broke down forever ah, well it, I'm just asking as a, someone playing an acoustic instrument yeah mm -hmm. I, I'd, I'd get um, a generator <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah yeah and um, I'd buy a, whole, a ton of fuel and I'd be the worst person ever for the environment <laughs> and I just you asked before like why the electric guitar and I guess this is a rationalization after the fact that I actually started playing the, the guitar but I just feel like it's such an a versatile and expressive instrument of course like any instrument could be that but w when you hear like an electric guitar player on a record a lot of the time you can hear oh that's that's this player because you hear how that person is playing guitar and you hear that tone and they get that that tone, that timbre. I don't know, it just feels like people have been using the electric guitar uh, very expressively and it's been developing in that kind of way and they've been inspiring guitarists of the next generation and the next generation after that to always seek out new territory expression-wise both with the way they play and uh, the sounds, the actual like timbre of the sounds that they make. I think I would become a drummer again. I'll just sit and groove. But I wouldn't have no idea how to gauge or measure my my timing, my timekeeping. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you can get them. I mean, wonders. you can get a a mechanical metronome. Yeah. The problem is to get it loud enough so that you can hear it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in whose tribute band would you happily play in? Slipknot. But maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it would ruin the songs for me because I have to practice so much. I don't know. Good question. Maybe Cradle of Filth, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Obviously, I like the first thing that pops into my mind is the Beatles because just this enormous diversity in their music, I guess. Actually, yeah, yeah, um, Bell and Sebastian, mm. tribute band, I'd, I'd love that. But I, I'd also like, it's one of those bands that I've always thought like, yeah, I'd love to play in that band because they seem to be such, I don't know, just nice and wholesome people. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's the same thing there as with like Beatles and stuff. It's It's got a diversity to it that I like. Mm. Mm. So then anyone listening, you know, if you're looking for a guitarist to your uh, Slipknot tribute band or a Bell and Sebastian tribute band. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, widely different takes on that. Yeah.
you're cultivating something very specific over and over again it becomes something yeah a huge part of your identity and maybe it's healthy to separate those things sometimes like if you're a musician and you're you play a wrong note or you yeah you derail a song does that mean you're a failure of a human being <laughs> mm. it's probably not a good thing to to equate yourself to being a musician that's all I am I guess I, I guess I sometimes think like that. Like if I don't write this song, as, if I don't, if I can't make it as impactful as I want it to be, then I'm by my own definitions that I'm a failure, and that is not a good thing, not a yeah. good feeling. <laughs> if that is what your happiness and well-being uh, depends on, yeah. Obviously, like music, it's it's something we just made up as people. It's like saying who's who's a painter or who's a car driver or something like. It, it's something we've created in our own culture as people, as humans, you know. And it's it's an abstract thing. Therefore, we can define who's a mus musician or not. And everyone's gonna have their own... Like someone would say, like, a drummer is not a musician. Like, he doesn't <laughs> have anything to do with, like, harmony and the tonal stuff. At the same time, take someone, like, like from some culture, someone else, somewhere else, and they will say, like, oh, you can't dance, you're not a musician, you know? Because in some mm -hmm. cultures, just dance is so inherent to the music and it's, you can't have one without the other. I would say, personally, I've got this really circular ar argument, nonsense uh, way of describing what music is. And uh, for me, it's just like any sound made with the intention of making music. So I would say, like, with that logic, I would say that a musician is a person who makes sounds with the intention of making music. I mean, like, sound is vibration in the air, and if you, or in a, in a medium, like, it doesn't have to be air, it could be in water, it actually, I mean, sound travels through walls mm -hmm. too, so anything that vibrates, yeah. any matter, is sound. And you'd have, for complete silence, it would have to be a complete vacuum, you know, so... This makes me think about something. This makes, makes me think about... Because obviously deaf people can't hear anything. That's how we define being deaf. You don't hear anything. But a lot of people talk about bass, like how really low frequencies, they're not heard, they're felt. Yeah. And deaf people can feel them, so... Yeah. Uh, the hidden track on uh, songs for the deaf 
by mm. Queens of the Stone Age. It's um, just a bunch of low frequencies and uh, it's like it's called something like the actual song for the deaf or something and it's mm -hmm. just a lot of low frequencies yeah meant to be played pretty loud so that you you right. feel them so uh, yeah I've, depends on your definition that could mm -hmm. be music too mm -hmm. but yeah i guess it comes down to is any sound music or could any sound be music mm. when classical music was the popular thing. It was this very unobtainable thing. You had to practice a lot, you had to... You couldn't just hear music, you could, there was no recorded music, so... Yeah, you actually had to have a performer play for you to yeah. hear music. Yeah. yeah, so in all ways it was uh, a privilege to even be in the presence of... A musician. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe back then it was more elitist in that way that there was a, a clear separation between Who's a what is music yeah, and yeah. what is a musician. But nowadays, people do noise music, turn on distortion pedals. You know more about that than me. But <laughs> just press record. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, like, what is a a music producer? What is a like? There's no certificate you can get. There's no official no. stamp of approval you can get from anyone. So you can't get a diploma. Yeah. Actually, you can get a diploma in yeah. music. But yeah. I mean, you don't have to have one to be a musician. No, you don't have to adhere to any ideas yeah. other than your own. If you're actively listening to music, then you're because if you if you listen actively, well, when you go step away from the music, you will hear it more clearly, I guess, you, because you're training your ear. And I mean, music, the inception of music, I mean, it starts here, right? In your head. So if it starts in your head and you can remember a song vividly, then you must be a musician. Mm. You just don't know how to put it into your voice or your hands yet. It's just another way of taking in all this input from our sensory organs and uh, like, oh, there's, there's a world outside of my head and something is going on there. What is it? Well, I, I take it in, I try to make sense of it, and then I make my own thing out of it. Mm. Like with any creative endeavor, mm. music is just another version of doing that. We all take all those inputs and uh, there's some output. I wanted to, like when you stumble on your words and you haven't finished that thought yet, mm. but you're trying to get to it and stuff. Mm. And I, I feel the same like a lot of time, a lot of the time in conversation. Yeah. Like, it's difficult because then you're actually trying to convey a thought or a feeling or a concept to someone else. But mm. with music, I think as a musician you can be kind of privileged like that because it, it doesn't have to make sense. Mm. Just That's have true. To, yeah, it doesn't have to make sense. It's abstract. It doesn't have to... You don't have to convey anything, even though people, of course, they try to convey things but mm. I mean just to be I don't know free in expressing yourself mm. um, in a way that doesn't have to make sense to someone else except yourself F for me that's kind of at the core of being a musician in a way mm. to not make sense yeah <laughs> exactly yeah to have the ability to do it yeah 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 exactly to let and yourself it's fully acceptable yes. yeah <laughs> No. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite quote is, uh, uh, "Music can express nothing. It is always mm. our sentiment that ascribes yeah. to it qualities which correspond 
with certain traits in our mental disposition. Yeah. That's beautifully put. Yeah. Uh, Sextus Empiricus, whoever that was who said it. So where can people listen to your music? They can listen to it on Spotify and probably all of the other Pandora. I don't know what they're called. Stuff Apple, YouTube. Tidal, and YouTube. And then, uh, yeah, Stockholm Underground, Stockholm stylized as S-T-H-L-M. Stands for Stockholm's toughest hockey league motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> if anyone is interested in listening to uh, my my music that I make at home, sometimes when I when I try to uh, feel like I'm being a creative um, person, then I've got a Bandcamp page and it's called Maple Mortiganto. Maple, as in the tree, Mortiganto. M O R T I G A N T O dot bandcamp dot com and there you'll find my not very professionally recorded or produced experimental whatever you wanna call it making no sense music. <laughs> for listening. I started making this podcast because I was curious about how musicians navigate through the world and in life. And this project has really turned into something exciting, for me anyway. If you want to support this podcast, you can give a donation to my coffee page, which is ko-fi.com slash the musician's journey podcast.
If you have a comment, feel free to write me an email or in social media like some of you have done. You can find my contact details on my website ragnilvesenberg.com.